0: The Koy gig pod.
1: I'm not confirming this by the way that she's taking the job but I do remember her saying when she came back from the States that she was going to be the US manager at
2: some stage in her careers
0: Subscribe to the Koi Gig pod on the Off The Ball app now Football on Off The Ball with William Hill who you got 18 plus see gamblingcare.ie All right, you're welcome along. It is Thursday's Football Show. Nathan with you this evening. We'll be going across to Amsterdam to chat with Dan MacDonald a little bit later in the show, ahead of the Republic of Ireland's Euro 2024 qualifier against the Netherlands, the last game of the campaign. And, of course, it is a game that, from an Irish point of view, in terms of qualification, is unfortunately utterly meaningless but we'll still have plenty of coverage of it over the course of the weekend Stephen Doyle is in Amsterdam as well we were chatting with him a little bit earlier on and he'll be with us throughout Saturday and Sunday getting all the reaction from the players and from Stephen Kenny and of course we'll be at the Aviva Stadium on Tuesday night for the friendly against New Zealand as well Uh, Ireland's chances of getting a playoff through the Nations League were about uh, 0.5% well uh, they're 0% because Iceland had to win their last two games Uh, Iceland are 4-1 down against uh, Slovakia so that ain't happening so you can cancel Germany for your summer holiday plans if you were somehow hoping that that 1% could increase rapidly over the coming days it just ain't gonna happen Uh, we're gonna be in Tallah Stadium as well on Sunday Uh, Saturday Jonathan Higgins is going to be there reporting for us on the Women's FAI Cup Final between Shelburne and Athlone Town and he'll be joined by Shamrock Grover, Scarlet Heron for that one so we'll have loads of reaction to that throughout the afternoon as well but we did want to talk about the women's game in this country and exactly where it is ahead of Cup Final weekend particularly in the wake of qualification for the World Cup Finals and what sort of impact that is having on interest levels around the league Delighted to be joined on the line by by Emer Lafferty of Sligo Rovers. Good evening, Emer.
2: Hi, how are you?
0: And Karen Duggan, captain of the league champions, Mount United, which we're now contractually obliged to say every time she's on the Koy Gig podcast for the next year. Congratulations, Karen. Just a year. Come on. You've got to retain longer. it. You've got to retain it, then, you see, is the thing about it. Uh, neither of you uh, w- would like to be talking to us tonight. You'd much prefer to be playing and preparing for the game on Sunday. Emer, you were almost there.
2: Yeah, uh, devastating, to be honest, in the semi final. Um, we had a good run, though. Um, and I think, given the fact that that's Saigo's like second year in the league, um, a cup semi final was a great achievement. And we'll be looking to really push on from that next year.
0: Uh, Karen, so we wanted this to be more of a bigger picture conversation because over the last 12 to 18 months when we've spoken about the game in this country, there's been a lot of patting on the back of, yes, things are being done right. We got qualification, first ever World Cup final, and it is and was a wonderful and brilliant achievement by the players and everybody involved in that. And alongside that then goes an assumption that everything is getting better and automatically is going to keep getting better for the women's game in this country. When you look at the last few months and being a part of the WNL and uh, being a part of it for many years at this stage, so, you know, having seen ups and downs and uh, various different incarnations of it, have you noticed any change post-World Cup in terms of the general public's interest in the league?
1: Um, I think over the course of the last couple of years, it's gotten better in terms of TV and TG Cahar taking interest. I think you saying that people assumed that it would automatically get better is kind of a pitfall we can fall into because I think in terms of getting attendances out to games and stuff, it's still very much on the clubs to put a drive and we kind of put a drive for the league win in trophy lift at the weekend, but prior to that, have our attendances and stuff boosted n- not a huge amount. Um the talent obviously that's coming through is getting better because there's more and more girls playing underage. So I think it is a very good marketing opportunity, but I don't think it's automatically going to happen. And I think it's going to take still a lot more investment and a lot more of a drive from from everyone involved from from top to bottom down to the clubs. And um it's yeah, it's not going to be An automatic
0: thing. Emer, what's your sense of what's happened over, well, post World Cup with the Women's Premier Division, but also even over the last 18 months as there was a real sense of growth with the national team?
2: Yeah, I think there's been there has been a drive, um, but you do need to strike while the iron's hot. Like, there's definitely been more interest since the World Cup. I think in terms of conversations and, and people talking about women's football, but in terms of the actual league, um, I think there has been more promotion. I think it's great that TG Car have gotten involved. You know, we can kind of watch every game now on League of Ireland TV. Like that wasn't always the case, but I think there still is room for improvement. We need to continue. Uh, in the women's game. Um, I think a massive thing that I would love to see is also potentially some more teams getting involved. So I know the infrastructure has been put in place, but we can see the likes of maybe Dundalk, Drogheda, Finn Hart even, teams kind of joining the league and keep kind of pushing that and, you know, continue driving people to come out to games um, and, and tune in and watch them on TGC and things as well. Uh,
0: those clubs that you mentioned there are obviously synonymous as being League of Ireland clubs and that I is one of the talking points here, Karen, because when I think of p and I know that there is underage boys and girls at p but when I think of p I think of it as a women's football team and it's very much in the minority now as they become a part of League of Ireland clubs and there's pros and cons to that. Now you're obviously playing with p so I, I don't know how that affects your view on this and the players that were lost to Shamrock Rovers, but, uh, Long term, how do you see that developing? Will there be a role for standalone clubs? What are the benefits and what are the drawbacks for those clubs?
1: Um, Unfortunately, kind of the feeling that we get and kind of the whispers is that the league structures that we mentioned that are changing and stuff that they don't particularly want the standalone clubs because they can see the benefit of the crossover of fans and stuff like that. But I think that's a real shame when you have a club like Piemont who have put women's football to the forefront. I think to in any way discourage something like that is, is a little bit silly. Um, and it's, it's becoming harder and harder for us to exist because we don't automatically again attract the, the bigger sponsors and, and things like that, that, um, there is a crossover. Over with the men's team so I, I don't think there's going to be a huge future of new teams coming into the league with as standalone clubs. I do think there will probably need to be an affiliation uh, with the men's team to come in and make a mark in a big way because like having a big name and having uh, structures that you can offer straight off the bat is, is a huge advantage and we saw that with Rovers this year um, and it's brilliant. They should have had a women's team and it's brilliant that they do and possibly more League of Ireland clubs need to do that. But in saying that, it makes it easy for a club like Piedmont to be pushed aside and say, sure, why didn't you join a men's team and stuff like that? But there's it's kind of head versus heart. It's like, do you just cast aside tradition in favour of what's kind of easiest? And that's something I think that we obviously struggled with and we wanted to keep the Piedmont name and we've been successful this year, but it's going to get harder and harder um but it's getting harder for teams generally across the league to retain players i think again it's it's an easy thing for um higher-ups to say uh possibly girls who are ambitious playing on the the senior international team that they need to be playing full-time professional um i'd be a big advocate of a lot of girls staying and, and getting an education and i'd love to see um more promotion of the league and possibly an under 21 team to kind of bridge that gap because the international girls are household names now. And if we had those within the league, we would get more attendances and things like that. So I think there's a big gap there um generally. And yeah, it's just, it's going to keep getting harder to keep girls in the league and possibly having more men's teams and having more supporters will garner more interest. So, yeah, I I don't really know what the future holds for a team like p but all we could do this year was work really hard and, you know, just fight to show that there's brilliant talent coming up and hopefully that's sustainable. But without support from the outside, it's going to be kind of hard to see how it will be.
0: Yeah, it's hard to see, sitting here, how there's any benefit uh, to be, Mount not being able to go on and continue with the success and the growth of the club over the coming years. But, emer from a, a League of Ireland point of view and a, an FAI point of view, when they're looking at their investment in the game and the strategy documents that are there over the coming years, I guess they're looking at it and thinking, well, if we're putting money into academies, we know if we invest in League of Ireland clubs academies that have teams in the women's premier division as well, we're going to get the double whammy there. We're going to ha- enable young boys and young girls to access those facilities rather than if there's a split. Now, it may, not, it may not work as simple as that. We don't know what's going to develop over the coming years in terms of how those resources are shared out. Uh, you are with a club that has a men's and women's team. W- what do you see as the pros and cons?
2: Yeah, look, I think in terms of payment like they done things right from the grassroots level up. Like the amount of talent that they've produced over, you know, the last number of years is incredible. And so, for a club that did everything right, for them to then be in this situation um, is tough. And and I don't see why they can't stand alone if if that's the case. Um, in terms of the pros, they're obviously massive. I mean, there's a brand there. You've got the likes of Sligo Rovers, you know. There's supporters there. When you go, you pull supporters, a fan base from from the men's team as well. Like our semi-final at home had over a thousand people at it, which was great. I played Shelburne away on a Wednesday night and there was a crowd there being pulled from, my, I suppose, Shells fans as well. So there's a massive um, positive to that side of things. But like I said, Piedmont got things right early on in the day with their grassroots and with players that they were producing. So... But an awful shame for them to have to suffer when, you know, they got things right so early on.
0: The quality of the league, Karen, uh, I assume is just improving all of the time because of the depth of talent that is there. And more and more young girls are playing from a very young age and are getting better coaching and are progressing into the league. It, is that being balanced out, though, by the amount of players that are still leaving at a very young age that you put the work in from 8 to 18? But as you said, they're almost been encouraged then when they hit 18 to leave?
1: Yeah, um, there's definitely a bigger talent pool. It's become more professional. There's more training going on um, than ever before. So that's going to lead to positives. Um, but realistically, we are a feeder league and we're going to continue to be that until uh, there's there's some sort of, of gap bridged between um, the full-time professional and, and what we have here in terms of maybe semi-professional or um, I even think just increasing the amount of home-based training um, would be would be good um, so, while so you're
0: sorry Karen j- just interrupt because mm-hmm. we might get into the money angle of it and what can be done there uh, playing for the senior team is going to be an enormous ambition for so many players that actually, even if you can sort out the link ups with colleges and uh, offer enough money, the players can live a you know a decent life while either working part time or being in college. That's not going to be enough of a draw if the senior international manager saying you need to be playing full time professionally in England and there's no opportunity for home based players like they need to be able to run the two of these things together.
1: Well, I'm saying if they can do something that increases the, the link up with colleges and that kind of uh, player drop off and give them support in terms of education that allows them basically to train full time and get education or work part time, it would be as good a thing to stay in this league. Because I think the standard of this league is really, really high, um, but it's not seen as professional as it could be and obviously there could be more training offered um from outside of clubs as well you you forget that a lot of these people are still volunteers who are um running the clubs and things like that so i'm saying there's an opportunity there to make our product more professional and um, to make it a, a better thing for our players to develop and stay here because some of the league that girls are going to they're going to simply for the fact that they're professional as opposed to playing at a hugely higher standard. Right. So there has to be something that can be done in between or something that can keep the girls here until they're absolutely ready to go and make an impact in a higher league, say in England, rather than the championship where the wages will be a good bit lower. Um, so I think that there's an opportunity, I'm not saying to bridge the gap between our league and the WSL, I think that's really, really far away, but our league and some of the professional leagues in Europe or second division in England, I don't think that we're that far away from it if we can put something in place that does give a better link to colleges or just and more of an opportunity for girls to train more, be that kind of semi-professionalism um, an under 21 development squad, something like that, so that we can make sure when the girls go away that they're mature enough. Um, Cause I think that's a big part and that they're able to make an impact. Cause I do think as well with girls, people forget that they can develop a little bit later and you can really make an impact on a national team in your mid twenties, as opposed to some boys who will be written off if they don't, um, move away or don't have a big contract by 16.
0: Yeah, it does feel, Emer as though there is an enormous opportunity there for the FAI with everything that Karen talks about because, and I don't want to keep making comparisons to the men's game, but if you make it... In the male professional league you are set up for life now with the amount of money that is there and while the salaries are always increasing in the wsl it's probably still at a stage where you can't retire at 35 and you're you're done whereas actually if they invest right now in players in college systems in clubs that actually you can make it very attractive for players very easily to stay here and say you know what the league is of a good standard you're going to have the opportunity to take part in those home-based sessions. We will educate you. We will make sure that when you come out of this, that you have a real asset there. And actually, you're not going to make that much more money abroad anyways. If there's an equality of investment coming and there's increases, that actually they're going to get far more return from investing in the women's side of the game than probably they are actually in investing in the men's side of the game.
2: Yeah, and I think like one of the most important points as well is that it's not, there's a massive gap in talent. Like the talent is here, but there is a gap in terms of like playing time and how often the girls are training and things like that. So I think it's really important to get the investment into like more training for the girls, more time on the ball. Like if you compare someone in England training maybe like six times a week in comparison to someone here, maybe two times a week, like that's just not going to work um, and so like you said if you can get those situations like I know there was girls when we were in Nuss who might have been training you know Monday Wednesday with nurse getting a pitch session and Tuesday Thursday if they want to then say with the likes of P might get in a pitch session and like that's much more football already and they're getting their um, education and access to a gym so I think if you can get those um kind of setups right then you can definitely attract more players to, to stay here um, and I think the under 21 shout would be would be huge as well to get that kind of um, to bridge that gap for maybe younger girls moving through to the senior team too.
0: What's happening at the moment then for those players 18, 19, 20 who are moving out of the underage setup where are they fitting in Karen?
1: I mean it there is a Big drop off, um, still, and that that's always going to be kind of the the vulnerable age group. Um, a lot, some of the girls are still knocking around the women's national league, and it's brilliant that they've stayed involved. But sometimes when girls go from that high of playing international all the way up to youth level, and they don't get into senior straight away, um, it can be hard to take, and it takes a lot to keep plugging away and keep plugging away. So it's good that we have the league there to do that. But like Emer said, if there was an under twenty one team, it gives you more time to see girls at an international level and I think that's a huge benefit not just for them in terms of extra training but even for promotion of the league I mean everyone in the country knows the name of all the international girls now there's a huge interest in the national team and I think that that would filter down to an under 21 team and then those girls then in turn would be playing in the women's national league so you'd have household names in the women's national league that you would then want to get up on a Saturday and go and see. So there'd be a bounce back for that investment as well, I think, from the league and and into the clubs.
0: There has been a steady stream of those brilliantly talented youngsters going across to England eh, even since the World Cup. Are you seeing, Karen, any players within that age group who who are having the opportunity to go but are actually making decisions? You know, I can get my education here. The standard of football is going to be enough for me. Or generally, if the opportunity comes, does everybody go?
1: um generally it's it's go because most people's ambition is uh erin mclaughlin will be one who um has decided to finish her degree and you saw that she came on in the last internationals and she was able to make a brilliant impact and it was brilliant for us from the league to see someone like that because it'll show other girls in the league that they can do the same and i think that that's important and while the international managers obviously want their players training full-time like Emer said they are going to be training four times a week if they're on a college team if they're on a club team that could potentially be five uh, i know most teams are kind of three nights a week now as well and then if you added in a home-based session their equivalent of time on the pitch is probably similar to a professional team um and what a boost it gives to the league is is absolutely massive um but generally that this isn't a new thing that the girls are asked to be to go professional Mm -hmm. earlier and earlier and i do see obviously the benefits of it um i'm just conscious of like you said when girls finish up it's much harder to return to education or know what you want to do when you've dedicated your whole life up to that point to, to just football. So um it's kind of a, a one eye on the future thing. I would never begrudge someone going away and following their dream. I think that it's an incredible thing to do. It's brave and um it's brilliant that girls have the opportunity to do that now. So why not grasp it? But I think there has to be as well, kind of a sense of realism that you said there, that you're not going getting the hundreds of grand a week or even a year. Um So yeah there's there's so many pros and and cons it just kind of i guess depends if you're a person who can come out at a later stage and and knows what they want to do or wants to get back into coaching or something like that um but i think yeah there should be an opportunity to to finish education definitely that's just something i'd be kind of passionate about as well
0: uh before we let you go and Emer, you may well say I will not be watching this game on Sunday I want nothing to do with it Uh, what are your expectations and your predictions for the cup final?
2: Um, It's going to be an amazing game like you've got some ridiculously good players on show Um, I will be there I'm flying home from holiday on Saturday night so I'll uh, head out to Tallis Sunday to watch it's really hard to make prediction like Shelburne have just been there so many times before, Athlone are really hurt from last year. So I think it's just going to be a really, really good game.
0: Karen?
1: Yeah, it's probably the toughest one I've seen to call in a, in a long time, because I think that um, Athlone have gone up a level under the new management. Um, I think that... The pitch suits them. The size of the pitch. They're they're a really athletic team, and I think that that will suit them as well. But Shelburne have been there so many times, and people always talk about what happened to P-Mount in the year in terms of losing players. But but Shelburne had that as well. So to come away with trophy at the end of the year would mean an awful lot to them, and they know how to kind of manage a big occasion. So I do find it really really hard um to call this year. Um, I did think Shelburne would win it last year, but. I don't know. Yeah, I think. I can't I find it really hard to Come call.
0: on. You're doing this long <laughs> enough now. Get off the fence.
1: Uh, right. Okay, Awesome. All
0: right. She got there eventually. Uh, Eamon, <laughs> great to talk to you. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, and, uh, Nathan. Karen, uh, continued success uh, with the Koi Gig pod. Thank you very much, Nathan. All right. We'll be back after this. We're going to be going to Amsterdam to check in with Dan McDonald football on off the ball with William Hill who you got 18 plus see gamblingcare.ie